Thanks for joining us. My name is Jonathan Storman. I'm the preaching minister at the Pleasant Valley Church of Christ. Welcome to the series Wednesday Night Conversations. Whenever you're listening to them, we've brought in some of the best thinkers in church leadership and ministry, specifically on issues that we care about as a church, like racial reconciliation and evangelism and being an intergenerational church. If you're a part of PV or if you're outside of Pleasant Valley or even outside of Arkansas, I hope that this series will be as much a blessing to you as it has been to me. Well, good evening, Pleasant Valley. I am here again with Brother Scott Adair, a Bible professor at Harding. And you work at the Highway Church of Christ, too, right? I'm still a minister there. Yeah. yeah. So um, we, we talked last week about um, what our baptisms mean, about how the gospel comes first, what the gospel is. Um, and this conversation is going to build on that. If you didn't get to hear that, go back and listen to that one first. Um, Brother Scott, you came when I first got to Pleasant Valley. You were in Little Rock, and you came up and you know said hi and told me a little bit about what you were working on. And when you did, you told me about something you had recently done, I think at the College Church of Christ in Searcy, about tell, talking about your um, trip. To Chicago do you mind doing that for us because I found that incredibly um, compelling and personally convicting oh well so uh, uh, my son lives in Chicago and um, anyways I've been to I've been to some religious services there and I went to uh, a, a worship assembly um, where there were no uh, there was no art anywhere on the walls. Um, it was austere, and um, the there were no instruments. There was no accompaniment. Um, there was a small undecorative um lectern or podium and there was uh prayer and uh scripture but everything that was done was done by by uh males and um i was just reflecting that as i as i as i think about this assembly and the tone of it that some people, as I described it, would say, that's it, and that, that's it, that's, that's the church, as we think about what is Christian. Then I went to another assembly, and um, it was so ornate. Um, there was a beautiful, um, beautiful architecture, kind of elaborate. And um, there was a, a guy who was playing a guitar and he was an unbelievable sort of kind of performer um, mm -hmm. leading the worship. And uh, there was also participation and um, public roles in that assembly for women. 
and the 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 the, t the tone was a lot more uh, kind of elevated and um, charismatic. Yeah, a lot more a lot more expressive. And I know that I've got a lot of family and friends who would say that's it. When I describe when I describe the two, there would be lots of people in my life as I, you know, think about where I, where I teach the age that I teach, they'd say, that's what I've been looking for. And, and so uh, the question is, which one of them is the church? Which one of them is uh, what God wants? And my answer is neither. The first one was an Islamic mosque. And the second one was a reformed Jewish synagogue. Neither of them had the gospel. Right. Neither of them believed the things that we expressed in last week's lesson as um, capsulized and expressed in baptism. So. Uh, that That is, when you first told me that, and I've heard you do it, uh, a couple of times now, that is one of the best parables I know of to describe American churches because it it helps everybody kind of crystallize, oh, I know which group I'm in, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, there's no Jesus in either one of those. <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, I, I, when you When you were sitting in my office, talking you know we were talking about the the seven things and my pushback to that was uh you know missional like well we got but we have to reach people in their heart language and all that kind of stuff and you said something like well maybe this pushes back on you too and then you told me that story and i realized and i was i was telling a friend of mine this today um i have realized in the last two years I was majoring in some minors, and um, I, w I went back and searched all my sermons from the previous eight years and searched how many times God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were talked about, and um, I, I mean, I, I talk about Jesus a lot. I, I've, I've always tried to do that, but I, I'm talking about Jesus more. I'm not getting drawn off sides as much, um, I hope, because that, that is haunting to me. It's haunting to me because our whole tribe started assuming everybody knew gospel stuff. Everybody in yeah. America, what, where they were familiar with the cross, they were familiar with resurrection. They were, and so you could narrow down into stuff that was. And what do you believe about? Are you are you uh, a big uh, uh, what is it called? Burger? Um, are you anti-burger? Big city or anti-city church? I mean. Are you rural or urban? They literally had churches for anti-city church. Yeah. Um, there was all these different kinds of divisions, and today our fellowship has done the same thing. You know, if you go through the the what is that book, the Church of Christ directory that has all the asterisks. Um, you know, uh, one cup non-institutional, anti-Bible class, anti-kitchen, anti-children, whatever all those are. Um, and, and we have, 
made fellowship issues over all these very narrow things. And ironically, I grew up in a, a anti-church. Did you know that? Um, yeah, so I grew up in an anti-church, and ironically, um, w- they were a very generous and wonderful church. Uh, but Jesus got more airtime than any other issue. But the issue that got a, a lot of airtime was Bible classes, not having Bible classes. Um, they drew really odd lines, like my Methodist friend could preach, my Baptist friend could preach or lead worship when they came. Um, and Brother Foy would want to push back on, you know, some CFC issues and Bible classes. Um, very, very ecumenical, but very wow. stern on, yeah, it, it was a great church to grow up in. Yeah. Uh, they didn't major in a minor except for that one. Um, cause it was a boundary marker. Yeah. And I think I've heard you talk about boundary markers versus center. Is, lots, is it, lots of people talk about that's Paul Hebert's. Yeah. You, can you talk about that for a second? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll talk about that for a second. Like, basically, there's this temptation in the human heart to build your identity on being better than. And so you create boundary markers of, I'm a little bit, it makes us feel our self-esteem goes up. We feel a little bit more enlightened, a little bit more self-righteous, a little bit more godly in a kind of hollow way. And um, I, this is not just in Churches of Christ. Um, so, you know, I guess what, what you were feeling me push back on or, or respond to in that encounter in your office was that both, both sides are guilty of it. That's true. So that's true. We're going to draw our identity on what we restrict and what we don't do, what we disallow, what we rail against, or... We're going to draw our identity on what we permit, on what we push, on this agenda or that agenda, uh, in reaction to uh, all the, and 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 both sides are missing. Like you say, both sides could be missing what, what all Christians everywhere for all time, um, must find as as the uh, the essential faith. So. <clears throat> I guess uh I guess I lost my thought. That was Peter, <laughs> our rooster in the background throwing oh, you Lord, off. Peter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, hey, I'm a Bible major, man. Always a Bible major. <clears throat> so, um one of the things that I was talking with a friend this morning about was uh we we both have worked in Progressive Churches of Christ for years and years. And one of the things I was talking to him about that I think progressives get wrong is we assume transmission has happened. We assume that through the generations, the mm-hmm. core things have stayed the core right. and then we can build on top of those. Yeah. Um, and, and what I've been seeing with the rise of the nuns and working with nuns, that, that has not happened. Yeah. Like they may know that racism is a, is a very important ethical Christian issue. 
racism would not be wrong if it was not for the New Testament. For thousands of years, people thought, of course, my race and my tribe are better than other people's race and tribe. If not for Jesus and Paul, we would not think this is a thing. But now people think that's it, but they don't know why they think it. And their grandkids certainly won't think it's wrong because they won't have any ethical like grounding for it. Progressives assume transmission and then conservatives make the mistake of transmission of cultural stuff from the 1920s or whatever, of stuff that's not on the, you know, that seven that we had talked about, the, the core. You know, uh, there's a Stanley Howarth quote, the only thing progressives and conservatives disagree on is what year to accommodate culture to. Um, that basically both, both spectrums are, have this great temptation, and I, I feel it. I felt it in me at Harding uh, when I was, you know, on what you would call the more conservative side of stuff, and I felt I felt it for the last eight years, looking back on it, on what you would call the more progressive side of stuff, is to major in stuff that has very little to do with those seven things that are at the heart of who God is, the nature of God, and what God is trying to do in our life and um and the the reason it's so tempting is because these things are so very important yeah i mean we're not trying to minimize stuff like uh you know the well i don't don't know i don't know a good example that wouldn't raise people's blood pressure right now but we're not trying to minimize what i hear you saying is that is that you have to make decisions on all these things i mean you can't just pretend that that secondary uh, layer doesn't exist. I mean, th- th- we have to make decisions on how we're going to do church. We have to make decisions on uh, ethical boundaries. It's just that uh, we don't, we can't let that be a substitute for the gospel. Yeah. So, so the gospel informs all of those things. And we should we should um, explore the depths of the gospel to to give us the uh, the insights to navigate the controversies of the day. But don't confuse the controversies of the day and how you navigate and you know your specific positions on those things for the gospel itself. Um, I don't know. I, so so that I think that the insight there is it happens on both sides. Yeah, both sides are confusing um, their specific stance on this or that with uh, with the gospel. So I don't have a problem with with at all with a church like like the one you grew up in. I mean, um, I I respect very much a uh, a, a gospel centered church who has a conviction about not having Bible class. That's fine. Don't foist your conviction on us though. Yeah, sure. So sort that out and live by it and don't violate your conscience, but don't make me uh, have to abide by your conscience. It sounds right. very, it's a very Romans 14 thing. Right. And, um, and, and if, and if I'm this wild loose Bible class, you know, conducting guy i don't need to look down on and see as pathetic this this uh stick in the mud 
old school church that hasn't woken up to the reality of the benefits of Bible class. I respect yeah. them for that. And, and I don't, uh, in any way patronize or look down on them. Um, and, and, and all of my, all my labels were facetious there. Um, how they navigate that is up to them and they stand before God and how I navigate it is up to, uh, my community of faith and we stand before God. So I think just being less arrogant and less dogmatic about that secondary layer of, of important yeah. Yep. I love it. I, I don't think any, I think that might be the first time in human history that someone has said, if I'm this wild and loose Bible class guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, uh, this got me into a little bit of hot water with a, with a, a member or two at highway. Um, I started off a sermon. It was Romans 14, but I started off a sermon where I live. I'm a good ways from where the church meets. And I, uh, I, I go by this church and I go by that church and I go by this church. And I've, I've kind of just um, described my, my commute to church that day. And I, I said, I, I passed by 15 different church buildings this morning and the people that meet there love Jesus but they do a couple of things wrong and the people that meet there claim Jesus as Lord but they've got a couple of things kind of off and people here um, love Christ but there's a they're not quite right on this. They got a few things off doctrinally and ethically. I said, and then I get to here. And this is the, the 16th church on my journey. And we too love Jesus, but we got a couple of things wrong. Mm. And it just, uh, that was so offensive. But to presume that on all these details, on all these secondary matters, we've navigated it perfectly, and we've got you know the uh, the the orthodox answer for all time and all places, I'm sure that we're a little off on a thing or two, and that we've emphasized something more than we should have, and I'm sure that's true of PV, and I'm sure that's true of of all of these. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we've got to we've got to discern and and find our identity in and focus on that which unifies all Christians everywhere for all time. What CS is called mere yeah, Christianity. Yeah, yeah. And then lean on God for uh and, and 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 his grace for how we express the gospel in these different timely controversies. You know, I, I one of the questions I've had over the past few years is, I, and I, I historically don't know the answer to this, where we got the idea that God's grace could cover our moral sins, but not our doctrinal errors. Because I know I'm wrong. I just don't know where I'm wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I, I feel like maybe the reason that that idea is offensive to some of us is because it in some way we've heard a story a gospel 
that was too small that were saved by Jesus and getting those all those secondary things nailed down perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, um, the example that I would use for, I don't know, this might be a little on the nose, but um, do we need to be rebaptizing people who have been baptized in, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, but they didn't focus enough on for the forgiveness of sins. Hmm. What were you thinking? Did you did you realize that at that point that that was the the punctiliar moment of forgiveness? And if not, maybe you need to be rebaptized again. Okay, so I understand all that, and I participated in all that. But um, we seem to cut a little bit of slack for some of our older uh, some some of our folks in the churches of Christ who didn't believe that the Holy Spirit was God, and that mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit indwelt us and that the Holy Spirit came to indwell us at mm. baptism. And so people that, uh, wow, sisters who would deny uh, the presence of God in our lives and reduce it to, you know, basically a Bible, the Holy Spirit is the Bible. We don't, we don't want to rebaptize them again. We're not going and saying, let's unpack what you were thinking about the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't get that right, we need to keep rebaptizing you. Um, so we've zeroed in on one doctrinal feature of baptism and given a pass to a pretty huge yeah. uh, doctrinal content. And um, yeah, the man, that's a great analogy. Uh, if we if we had to get rebaptized, everything God showed us, every time God showed us something new. Um, then we'd be getting rebaptized every day. Yeah. Right. Or we'd have stopped growing in faith. Um so that's that you know that gets to um if I didn't if I didn't have all the doctrinal truths just right when I was baptized, I'm just gonna have to <laughs> I'm just gonna have to lean on his grace that when I when I submit to Christ and and confess him as lord um i'm gonna trust that he's gonna help me to continue to grow in the right. the depth and the profundity and the um truth of that baptism retrospectively so uh, what the thing we've been circling around here and this is to close out for this great thanks for having have doing this with us the past two weeks brother scott i look forward to having you at pleasant valley uh when this whole mess blows over but one of the reasons i'm still in churches of christ is because of who who we were i mean every every fellowship has problems and i like our problems um i like our problems more than i like other fellowships problems i'm i'm grateful for this tribe and these are my people uh one of the reasons that i love what who we are is because of who we were trying to be at the beginning we were trying to do exactly what you're talking about and you know this restoration movement was started by alexander campbell and barton stone and uh we we were basically saying if you 
been in a world of a lot of denominations and a lot of separations and schisms and, you know, uh, division, we were saying we just want to be Christians only. So the story this yesterday we had Mike Cope preach at War Memorial, and afterwards uh, a woman from our church came up and gave me something because she'd heard me mention I wanted one. This is a communion token, and uh, a lot of people don't know our fellowship was founded because of these. Like back in the day. Alexander Campbell was a part of uh, anti-burger, um, which anti-city, anti-big city, Presbyterian, and there was like several other things that they were known for that they had divided. Um, and when it came to communion time, which was like once a month or whatever, you had to sit down with the minister and he would talk about your life. Like, what, what do you believe? Have you been given? Have you been beating your spouse? you know, those kind of things. And then at the end of it, if you believed everything correctly and um, had lived, they would give you one of these. And when the communion was passed around, you had to put your communion token in so that you could take communion. And Alexander Campbell um, is looking around, seeing all these people not being able to take communion that is closed off to them, baptized believers who it's closed off to them because they all of a sudden thought, you know, I am okay with a city church or whatever. Um, or they, they were, you know, and he throws, he gets up, throws this down and walks out because he was tired of seeing a divided body of Christ where there were some like peers and who was a part of the body. And we started as a unity movement because of this. And we were trying to say, you know, even Alexander Campbell called the Pope his brother at one point. And he had a lot of, he had a lot of stuff he would have disagreed called with. Him, he called him a lot of things. Yeah, that's right. But one of the, he called him that from familiar, you know, those seven, yeah. those seven things he, he was aware of, you know, we're, we're having a family argument. Mm. And if, uh, if we could get back in touch with that part of our better angels and realize the global body of Christ does not, you know, insist on getting all those secondary things right. God is not going to, when we, when we come face to face with God, there will be some people who realize I thought I was a Christian and I'm not. But it seems to me the secondary issues are not the checklist that God is going to use to determine that. Um, you know, were you were you for Bible class? Were you were, were those secondary issues are more wisdom things versus right and wrong? Is it wise or foolish? Does this lead to a wise? path or a foolish one versus right or wrong and that's a whole different way of talking about it yeah and maybe even uh you know using romans 14 and 15 maybe a conscience matter mm -hmm. and maybe there's a collective conscience it's okay yeah. that we have a collective conscience about this or that i mean you, there's no getting around it you will but do you presume to be god and judge others by your collective conscience. So you're talking about God's judgment. 
I think the key insight there is that it's God's judgment. It's yeah. not ours. And, and we stand before God on how we navigate secondary and tertiary matters. God will be the judge. And I think what he will judge most harshly is if we've presumed to be the judge on somebody that has a, that navigates those secondary right. uh, questions differently than we did. This has been super helpful and rich, Brother Scott. I, I, I wanted to do this because I know some PV people remember the seven uh, things when Max Sandlin and I um, co-preached and talked about that passage in, in Mark 9 where the disciples come to Jesus and say a person is kicking out demons in your name, and um, he, but he's not one of us. And Jesus says, whoever's not against us is for us. It basically, that I, I can't preach that passage without saying the kind of stuff that we've been saying today. And uh, we, we, I, I don't know where I got the idea that churches of Christ were the only ones going to heaven. I don't specifically remember that being said in my childhood much, but it was in the air. And it was, the more I get to know our own history, the more I know how antithetical it is to the very kind of movement we were trying to be a part of in the beginning. And I'm grateful well, for well, what you're you, doing. If, you, if you're not accepting other Christians baptisms, you're, you're, you're saying that. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, brother Scott, thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, thank you for your influence in our fellowship and, um, you know, thank you for being a great mentee. I am so <laughs> I love that story. Yeah, me too. I, I can't no, believe you uh, never told me that story before. Well, I'll tell you later who it was. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks, thanks for your for time. Your, thanks for all your guidance and patience with me. <laughs> yeah, boy, it's you know, it's really not just me. It takes a village to raise a Bible professor. Do you remember when I told you that if you if you say anything to the waitress, to that guy over there, we will not be eating together anymore? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Okay. So uh, a um, a high ranking official. From oh, an yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because I was trying you to... to play some little uh, familiar you know, cute trick by some little practical joke. And no, I No, okay. <laughs> so it was Dr. Burks and Dr. Burks was there and I was trying to get the waitress to go do a happy birthday <laughs> to make her think it was his birthday. <laughs> Cause they would put a hat on him and bang okay. on his head. <laughs> and I'd actually done that to Dr. Burks, I think like once or twice before. <laughs> Dr. Birch is he oh you know he's the reason I got the job at Richland Hills um he but I I used to play practical jokes on Dr. Birch well that was just like a something that you love to do and I want to be invisible uh in mo in most settings probably including this one and, <laughs> and so I just I looked at you and I said if you do that this is our last lunch together
and and i think it was fun until you saw like the fire in my eyes (laughs) you're like be serious oh that's so funny that's such a great memory thank you for telling me that because i have forgotten it all right brother scott thank you for your time and and your wisdom and your work on this i really appreciate you sincerely all right bye-bye Bye, PV. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. Then we will rise again. For I